And welcome back, everyone, to yet another episode of Going for Two, presented by Homefield Apparel. I am your host, the publisher of the Extra Points newsletter, Matt Brown. I'm joined here, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Brian Fisher. Brian, it's good to be home. I, I can imagine. You, I would say you'd look well, well rested, but I know you've been uh, quite busy this past week. Uh, we're, we're, we're glad to have you back here for, for another episode. And uh, uh, just, just uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll get into exactly what you were doing there at uh, the Student Athlete NIL Conference, but uh, the, plenty of, uh, I'm sure, conversations that you had, uh, pr- plenty of fun, I'm sure, down there in Atlanta. But uh, it, it is good to have you back there uh, in the home office and uh, talk to us here on Going for Two. It is. It is. It is wonderful. I that that that's where I was. I've mentioned this a couple of times on the newsletter, but I, I went down uh, to Atlanta for the the big NIL summit, <clears throat> NIL Palooza. You had three hundred college athletes there, mostly in Division One, but but not exclusively. You had uh, the, uh, mo- many leaders within the NIL industry, which is a funny thing to say, seeing as that like wasn't really a thing nine months ago, but now it, it definitely is. Um, and I, I was going primarily to talk to athletes. One of the great things about this kind of function is uh, there was an SID at this thing at all. I didn't. I never saw one. You would just kind of saunter up to a table, and you know, for a lot of these sessions, it's, it's, at, it's at the uh, it's at the College Football Hall of Fame, uh, which is I will say this an extremely cool venue. Uh, something I I wholeheartedly endorse and recommend a college football fan check out if you're ever in Atlanta. But you have like this great big like open football field. And that's where you have all these tables set up and that's where the award ceremony was. That's where you'd have some of these seminars. And I could just kind of sneak in there, like, you know, saddle up to a table and be like, are you guys bored? Would you like to talk to me instead? Here's my business card. I'll be in the end zone. And then just kind of like leading people out there to, to talk. So we can, I've written about this a little bit, but we, we can kind of quickly talk uh, about a couple of high-level takeaways. I know not everyone's super into NIL, but, but for many people with both in the industry and outside the industry and athletes, it, it is still really important. And I think this conference highlighted in a few pretty meaningful ways about how this world has changed in the last year, where it's going, and what the major questions are still to be answered. Um, and I'll, I'll lead with this. I wrote about it earlier this week, but I, I feel like this is a point that is worth hammering again and again, especially because I wrote about it behind the paywall. Um, to a man and almost to a woman, and that distinction does feel notable, <laughs> given that we're talking about college, what college athletes here, but, but, but to a man, almost to a woman, athletes told me they felt like they had not received meaningful guidance or help or anything from their institution. And I talked to people at HBCUs. I talked to people at one AAA institutions, FCS institutions, and P5 institutions. Many of them said some programming did exist. Didn't always, but sometimes it, was, sometimes it existed, but that they hadn't listened to it, they hadn't engaged with it, it hadn't stuck, it wasn't relevant to their questions. So when I would ask about, hey, what did you think of this particular seminar, or tell me about some deals that you've done, or what are you thinking? Almost always the initial conversation would be, I haven't done any deals. I don't know where to start. I am interested in this, but um, real baseline stuff. I ended up walking a bunch of athletes like to like the mogul booth or to some <laughs> marketplace booths to like, well, maybe you should talk to these people because this is kind of a first step where we can brainstorm with some ideas from your market. But if this, I don't want to say that this was a representative sample of, of athletes, right? Because on one hand, you had like the, the biggest overachieving 1% of the 1% like marketplace NIL people. And you had other folks that are clearly very, very interested in it. But at this event, if you're still looking at 
a third to half, maybe more people saying, I'm missing some very basic information. Um, that's a big problem. And it doesn't matter what kind of fancy corporate brand partnership you have or, or shiny new toy or software solution you have if the people that are the, supposed to be the center of this industry don't know what the hell is going on, right? And I figure, think whoever figures out how to solve that will will be a far ahead more than any compliance software solution or triple A brand or business school, anything. It's just having subject matter expertise is not translating to what's happening with the athletes. That, that, that sounds uh, completely like what, what's happening in, in real world conversations, I think, in, in general. And, and I think kind of speaks to the yeah. fact that as many of these deals that we see about uh, somebody partnering with Altius or some, you know, various companies about there for, for NIL education, a lot of it is just like, here's a presentation one day, you know, at, at the beginning of the school year, maybe the beginning of your season. And uh, here's kind of our general NIL guidance. And maybe if you were, are a go-getter, you can kind of go out there and, and talk with some advisors, talk with some other people, you know, at your school to, to get a little bit more information, but it's not like they're, they're just turning over a turnkey solution to, to a lot of these athletes. And I think that's, that's ultimately what they kind of want. Just, you know, tell me where to go and uh, where I can put my information in and how I can get, get that check. Right. And I, I think there's, there is that world. There's the go-getters, as you mentioned, the, the, the top 1% that are, are out there, you know, really pounding the pavement, making sure they're doing reach out to companies. You know, those are the entrepreneurial uh, students that, that are going out there and, and, and getting deals done. And I, I think it just kind of speaks to really, you know, college athletics in general. I mean, this this is the same thing that happens in terms of compliance. You know, you might have one big meeting at the beginning of the year. Maybe you'll have some refresher courses on, on uh, certain things uh, throughout throughout the year. But it's it's not like it's it's if, if you have a question, you, you got to actually kind of seek out uh, a response from from somebody at your institution. And uh, definitely a big blind spot, I, I think, for the industry that they're coming to, to grips with. You know, I, I think if yeah. you're an AD now, if you're somebody in charge of NIL at these schools, which a lot of these Power Five you know, departments are hiring somebody specifically for this. Um, you know, it, it's got to be about more than just having one meeting at the beginning of the year or, or having one contact person. It, it's about continually re reinforcing, uh, you know, what you're capable of doing as an athlete, a lot of these places. And, uh, I think maybe as we kind of get more into this being the norm within IL, you'll start to see a little bit more in terms of, uh, you know, just, just ease of use, I guess you could say, uh, in the NIL space, but, uh, it, it is wild just to kind of see how far we've come, but how much further we still have to go. Very far to go. The, the other thing I would say, and this is not a, criti a criticism of the conference, which was, of course, uh, put together in part by some uh, strategic advisors to Extra Points and in, in, in our in our company and, and people that we we know pretty well. Um, the what, the market driven world of NIL isn't just about social media deals. That is the easiest deal. That's where the most corporate money has gone into. That's where the most attention has gone into. But when you talk to Jack a couple weeks ago. And when you look at the you look at the people that won awards at this thing and the folks that have been most engaged, a lot of it is stuff that has nothing to do with marketplaces and is um, uh, event or education driven. The advice that I would give to any AD, any athlete, anybody really outside of the, anyone that does not have access to a gigantic collective throwing money at them would be honestly forget Instagram um, unless you are just really into Instagram because that is a resource that will require a lot of time on your end. If you're going to spend eight hours a week on NIL or eight hours every other week on NIL, I think you're going to get the most bang for your buck trying to teach them lessons uh, of trying to hit up high schools and AAU clubs or reaching out to businesses in person 
with some of your teammates and try to hustle something together rather than trying to play the influencer game. Uh, I think my gut, and I, I may be wrong about this, right? Do not take investment advice from Extra Points. Extra Points is a vehicle, is a newsletter. It is not a, a, a business uh, predictions or uh, investment advice vehicle. <clears throat> but we are likely headed towards something recession-ish. And even if that doesn't hit the, the official designation of a recession, clearly um, consumers are facing strain based on inflation or gas prices or supply chain issues. It's not being political. This is just you've been to a grocery store, right? And when we're in this kind of world, typically large corporations and even middle market firms tend to cut back on marketing spending before they make cuts at other places. Marketing spending, which translates into NIL stuff. And if you have to cut back on marketing spending, what's the first place you cut back on? More stuff where you don't have years of data to show that it's absolutely valuable. So I would look at the influencer space and be uh, concerned about uh, economic and industry headwinds. Not from Larry's Pizza at, in Greenville, North Carolina that's covered in ECU pirate stuff. Like that guy, you might still be able to get his money. From Buffalo Wild Wings or from Geico or from Enterprise Rent-A-Car or something. I think that might look a little bit different if you don't happen to be um, CJ, CJ Stroud. So just, just you know, some, some things to think about. There was a, I hope to share some of the other kind of nitty gritty things a little bit later. There was actually, that was a really insightful panel on sports law and uh, advice, uh, both pro, like, uh, proactive offense, uh, you know, uh, legal things that athletes would in schools when you know about NAL and also defense, how to protect themselves. Um, spoiler alert, none of those things are really happening. Just, that's defense, not just from uh, intellectual property, but from exploitive collectives, which is definitely a thing that is happening, or boosters or some of these other deals. Uh, I, I would plead to everybody. Um, you don't need counsel if you're doing a couple of $500 deals. Um, there's not enough good sports lawyers to actually do that for you. It's not worth your money. Do you need counsel if you're doing anything with a comma in it? Yes. Do you need counsel if anybody gives you a piece of paper that has the word exclusive or perpetuity on it? Yes. Um, should you get a real lawyer to look at anything if you're engaged with the collective? By God, yes. And should you get an accountant? Yes, you should do that even if you're only doing $500 deals. I have an accountant. Uh, I would probably be in prison if I didn't have an accountant because just knowing I, I suck at this kind of thing. That's my, that's my spiel. Um, wonderful to go. Wonderful to see the Hall of Fame. Wonderful to see some reporter friends I hadn't seen in a while. Wonderful to talk to a lot of athletes, by and large, almost all of whom are very impressive. Not so wonderful to come back with. It seems like the man flu. I, I, I took a corona test. I'm negative. But when you don't sleep a whole lot and it's 145 degrees and you're on your feet the whole time and you're already kind of tired, you know, you get sick. Um, and you, you're 20-year-olds. What are you going to do? But but that was a, a positive event. I learned a lot. I, I bet. And I think it also kind of speaks to the fact that there are these kind of like two avenues to NIL. I think there's the, the one we always hear about, like the, the, the quote unquote inducements. Obviously, there's that was in the news a little bit uh, with the, the NCAA yeah. investigations into to Miami and others uh, that we, we, we've kind of discussed in the show a little bit. But like there, there's kind of the the initial uh, NIL, quote unquote, NIL deals that are a little bit fuzzy about, you know, kids coming to into school. And then once you're actually enrolled and, and you're in school, and you're in you're doing media post and you're doing, uh, you know, various uh, outreach of the community efforts like the, that. That's kind of the second thing that certainly the, this, this conference was uh, kind of centered on. And, you know, to, to be honest, like it, it, it's just shocking to me to kind of see some of the photos and, and uh, see some of the interviews that took place there to see 
really the growth. I mean, it does kind of indicate uh, that there's a lot of runway left, you know, in, in the tank for, for a lot of these uh, athletes, for a lot of these brands, um, even even if there is a, a bit of an economic downturn coming uh, to, to, to the U.S. and, uh, the, you know, the rest of the world. Like there's still some some space left here in the NIL um, era to to for the athletes themselves and, and certainly to get more deals, but uh, for some you know additional companies to kind of come in and uh, change things up. And I think we're we're starting to see some of those um, you know in terms of the evolution. But uh, I think more than anything, it's it's also a, a good reminder that uh, this is this is still very early on. And you know, shock, you know, to me, shockingly, the the thing that just because I've been been seeing a few things on on Twitter and, and whatnot is like that I, I would have thought athletes in particular. Last summer, this summer, whatever, would, would have made a bigger deal about not not the NIL deals, not the social media posts, but like doing camps and combines and that sort of thing. Uh, you see it all the time with like NFL players. They'll go back to their hometown. They'll have a camp. Yeah. I, I would have thought that would have been a bigger deal, especially for some of the Olympics where athletes, you go back from to your hometown and you're a tennis player and you can put on a camp like that. If you're, uh, you know, uh, not just the, the football players, but, uh, you know, men's soccer, you, you put on a camp. That, that would be a good way to promote your name, image and likeness and, and kind of get involved in, in, in the community as well i thought we would have seen a little bit more of that uh this time around but uh, i guess that's uh, for another day uh, yeah i know i know why it isn't happening it's not it's not happening because the pool of interested athletes at nil generally is not nearly as large as i think the collective we thought it was going to be last july this stuff takes a lot of work and quite frankly not everybody wants to do it and the other the dirty little secret i'll tell you guys this most olympic sport athletes in the u.s come from pretty well-off families. The, 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 it varies a little bit from sport to sport, but there's not a ton, not a ton of Pell Grant kids playing college soccer right now. The median uh, family income for a U.S. college swimmer is well into the six figures because it's expensive to do club swim programs. It's expensive to do travel soccer, and they're not full scholarships. So if you're somebody that's already rich or at least already coming from a very comfortable family, it's pretty easy for you to decide, I don't want to spend this time hustling for these little things, especially because you can click a couple of buttons and bloop, 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 you, you can theoretically get an Instagram deal. You probably won't unless you click a lot more buttons, but theoretically you can get into this system very quickly. You can't do that for a baseball camp. You have to actually hit the yellow pages and make phone calls. And then you have to suddenly learn about, if, it, if it's your camp and you're not just a staffer, you got to rent a facility, you got to pay for insurance, you got to screen print some t-shirts, you got to do advertising. That's a business. And sure, some people have done this and they do well. And you know, we both know that assistant coaches in this world make often make more money doing this than they do actually getting paid from the school. There's definitely a lucrative market for it. But it's not a plug and play thing. And the the biggest mistake, and then I promise we'll talk about something else. The the biggest mistake that so many sports writers make and business reporters make about writing about this world is superimposing their middle-aged values on college students. They don't make decisions based on careful uh, evaluations of pluses and minuses and what will this do for my career long term and how does this academic major fit in everything and you know let, let, let me go ca calculate some expected earnings. Seventeen-year-olds don't do that, and that's not that's. Were you thinking about your brand when you were in college? Were you, were you thinking about long-term earning potential and entrepreneurship when you were 20? 
mean, maybe maybe just a tad, just uh, given uh, the, some of the majors and the, the courses that I was taking, and and obviously getting into a career like this, you, you do think about it a little bit, uh, just kind of looking forward. But but you're right, you're absolutely right, and uh, I think it's important too to think that this is such an irrational industry, right? All of college athletics, you know, it's like give us money it's to build rational. a yeah. waterfall so we can attract eighteen year olds. Like like what what exactly is super rational about some of that stuff? So uh, it, it it is a bit irrational, and then you throw in obviously um, you know young adults. Uh, kids just fresh out of high school, like they're, they're going to make some bad decisions. And uh, I think that is all kind of baked into things and uh, a reason why it certainly gives us uh, some new stories and some talking points. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think, again, it kind of reinforces that the, the top 1%, they're, they're doing fine in terms of the athletes. They're going out, they're getting deals, they're hustling, they're just like, you, you know, the top 1% at, at any college, you know, in, in America, you know, they're creating businesses, they're, they're doing things um, beyond just what they, they get in the classroom. And, uh, that's that's the case in, in, in multiple aspects. And I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how things continue to evolve, because um, not only are, are kids going to make some bad decisions, they're going to make some good ones as well. And it'll be interesting to track yeah. that going forward. The, the, I, I talked to water polo athletes uh, that started a successful business. There's plenty of really admirable entrepreneurial people. That's wonderful. I hope people do that. I cared about writing when I was 20. I cared about writing for the Ohio State newspaper. I cared about finding gigs. But this big picture stuff, I was way more worried about getting laid, man. Uh, so my in-laws don't listen to that. Ecclesiastical authorities don't listen to that. But like that, that's, that was my mindset. <laughs> and I know that's the mindset of many of the people that we're talking about. Speaking of something completely different from that admission, um, while I was pacing the hallways of the Hall of Fame and, and, and talking to college students and, and being in this world, the rest of the college football universe was not standing still. Brian, I understand there have been some announcements and changes with the transformation committee. Uh, although, if I understand the release and the, and everything correctly, it's less of an immediate transformation and more of a big tweak. Do I have that right? Yeah, sort of. I mean, I think it's uh, important to note that uh, at the same time you were hobnobbing it down there in Atlanta, a lot of college athletics leaders were in, in Indianapolis for in-person meetings. I think that that's uh, been a recent change uh, with the NCAA is, is just having in-person meetings basically every quarter um, You compared to kind of your your normal Zooms that a lot of these committees have been operating on. Certainly that, that is the case with the Transformation Committee. There was a D1 Council meeting where, where a few minor things happened with uh, a, a few various sports like wrestling and volleyball, um, and, but but not men's soccer. And, and I think it's it's important to kind of note that um, this is kind of the first phase of the transformation committee. Like uh, we're, we're kind of moving into some more of the, the nitty gritty in terms of what actually division one looks like. That's kind of the next, that's where they're looking ahead towards. But for right now, uh, obviously there, there are two central things that uh, they, they've kind of tackled, I guess you could say, and are basically going to get feedback from the rest of the membership uh, for all the schools in across division one council from the D1 board uh, if, if they get approval. And, and obviously they're centered around number one, transfer windows and some changes to the transfer portal. And number two, um, which uh, I'm, I'm sure a lot of fans kind of overlook, but kind of the enforcement process. There's been a lot of tweaks, a lot of uh, focus on what kind of enforcement looks like going forward and, and how there are some some big changes uh, coming to that. And so there's yeah. uh, there, there, there's a bunch going on. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, I think this is kind of the, the first of many steps when it comes to actual transformation of the NCAA and Division One itself. Um, let, let me, let's talk about the transfer angle there for a second because this is the one that um, certainly certainly the greatest it, yeah, touch the, point for a lot of fans, coaches, yeah. administrators, players, student athletes coming up, recruits. The like this is the one that I think everybody obviously has their eyes on. Yeah. Um, so if I'm understanding this correctly, we could see some kind of window legislation as early as August. 
Is, is that is that the right timetable? Well, uh, approval of, I, I guess, by August. Obviously, we're, we're, we're sliding into the end of June. There's some more meetings in July. Essentially, at the end of the month, at the end of June, when the D1 board meets, um, they're going to say yay or nay and, and basically kind of kick the can down the road, get some some feedback, and then they'll probably vote on it uh, you know, late late uh, July, early uh, August. And so that's kind of the timeline when, in terms of implementing these transfer windows, obviously, it wouldn't take it into effect you know, right away from, from what I understand. Obviously, there's, there's going to be a lead time. There's, you know, students athletes already in the transfer portal and, and kind of sorting things out from there. But, um, you know, essentially all of the sports, you know, volleyball, women's basketball, men's basketball, all the various committees in charge of those sports have been looking at these transfer windows. And that's kind of been their charge from the transformation committee itself. And they've kind of submitted some dates and I'm, I'm sure there will be some discussion over adjusting them and, and changing them up. But um, really the, the biggest thing that I have heard surrounding these is and not necessarily just the, the dates themselves, but like there's been a lot of talk and, and we've discussed uh, the burnout aspect of things like th th there needs to be some balance both for the athletes themselves getting recruited. So they're not just inundated by call after call after call or text message after text message. Uh, but but also for the coaches out there and the administrators, like they, they don't want to be, um, you know, having official visit weekends happen every single weekend to where they, they've got to monitor this. They, they've got to host people. They got to spend money on this. Like, I think there's going to be some some meaningful changes in terms of how recruiting itself actually operates and how guys transfer in and out of programs. And uh, that, that's obviously been top of mind, given a lot of the roster churn in, in football in particular. But uh, there, there's going to be a little bit more order to it. And I think that's what everybody can agree to and, and is excited to have because it, it really is kind of free agency, but it's like free agency 365 days of the year. And so this will at least bring a little bit more order to things in terms of actually when you can transfer and, and when you can enter your name in the portal. Yeah, the that has been I, I've heard the same thing from both coaches and from players. It sucks when you can't when you feel like you can't make informed decisions about your future if there's no stability in that end. And of course, uh, no league in the world really has free agency every single day, um, one way or another. Um, speaking of order, friends, I do wanna quickly share a, a, an offer for you to order something yourselves and save a little bit of money from our dear friends at Home Field Apparel, the makers of delightful, officially licensed, unique vintage collegiate apparel, T-shirts, sweatshirts, tank tops, sweatpants. Uh, our friends at Homefield make these uh, shirts with a bunch of vintage, weirdo, bizarro, not, maybe not weirdo, but designs that you've probably forgotten about. It's not the same script Ohio State that you see everywhere in the bookstore. I, for one, am wearing a Delaware shirt today with a blue hen that's roided to, to hell. And it's great. It, this guy looks like a villain from like Ninja Turtles, like uh, uh, Turtles in Time. But you were playing like the old stand-up arcade machines or something like, all right, you defeated Bebop. Now it's time for uh, our, you know, roided up blue hen. And and it's it's great. I was a, it was an excellent use of my money. Um, they've been dropping a new big school every single week. Earlier this season, we've had uh, Arizona. We've had Arizona State. We had Clemson. Uh, this week, TCU. And um, I have made this resignation. I'm buying some TCU stuff. I've never been to TCU. Really? I don't have a feeling about it. No, oh, I've, 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 I've only been to Houston. I've been to Houston. I've been to, I've been to Austin. I've been to Houston. I've never been north of, I don't know, for like the, the, the Bucky's 40 miles, 40 minutes up <laughs> of Houston when you're, when you're driving around. I'm sure TCU's lovely. Oh, we got, we we got, got to change that. We got to bring you to DFW. I'll, I'll give you the tour. I'll, I'll give you the places to go. Please. Great. You know, well, let's let's go. Let's go figure out a campus visit to go to go hit those hit, hit TCU and SMU or something. And then when I do... I'll be wearing beautiful 
vintage TCU apparel. Um, there's a lot of goofy-looking frogs that I guess they uh, the school put together before they had the same kind of licensing directors they have now. I'm excited to welcome them part of my life. Well, anytime you can get uh, uh, some old Southwest Conference-era uh, frog logos, I, I think you got to do it. And uh, this this promo code will certainly get you a little percentage off, so it, uh, it makes it a little bit more affordable, especially in times that might be a little bit tough, but you, you still want that, that good frog gear. So uh, Exactly. I, I, promo code is... I'll let you do it. What's the promo code? Extra points. That's right. All one word, folks. Extra points saves you 15% off your first order. You can get all uh, frog-related paraphernalia, as long as that paraphernalia is a home field uh, shirt or hoodie or something. Uh, Homefieldapparel.com. And if you, we actually just had a school reach out to us like an hour before I hopped on this show. If you're a school that's like, well, they just spent 15 seconds and 15 minutes here giving free advertising for TCU. Why aren't they doing that for my school? My school's not on home field apparel. My school hasn't partnered with some kind of licensing agent that has a has a, a sponsorship agreement with going for two. Well, good news, friends. You, you can join the home field family, too. The, the, and uh, you can do that by shooting me a note at matt at extrapointsmb.com. We'll make an introduction to their licensing team. Uh, we, we've worked with a couple of other small schools, small conferences uh, to help get work through that process. Um, last note, speaking of, li- of licensing for a, a collegiate apparel, uh, I did get a big old stack back of FOIWAs regarding the EA Sports College football game. And I wrote about this on Extra Points, but I figured we could take a couple, a couple of minutes to talk about it here because um, the reader interest in this game and this process is very high. And I've also noticed that I've written a decent amount about the development <clears throat> of this game. A lot of it's been behind a paywall. Uh, this one is, is free. Hopefully this helps clear up some misconceptions. So uh, based on some a series of, of emails I have received from multiple institutions from uh, EA Sports and their partners with the Collegiate Licensing Corporation, I can reiterate that based on documents I have inspected that were sent out earlier this year, EA Sports confirms that they are planning to release the game in the summer of 2023. Not January, not later this year, 2023. I think some of the confusion may have come from somebody looking at some earnings report from EA and forgetting that fiscal year and calendar year do not mean the same thing. Uh, This is a game that has perennially been uh, uh, released uh, during the fall, during during the summer. It will be released again in the summer. I can also tell you that EA, as of like March, has told... You know, all the other schools like, hey, so far, conceptually, about 120 schools have agreed to be in the game. That's not 133. Um, what I can tell you from talking to EA and then from following up with, I know a couple of those schools that have not conceptually agreed to yet. They're waiting on athlete license, licensing. Um, and once that happens, EA expects everybody to be in the game. Even the schools that have not conceptually agreed are still submitting information and acting like they are participating in the game. So like that good stuff that can get cleared up. The other hang up beyond athlete likenesses, which we'll talk about here in a second, is about licensing money and having to go through CLC if you're not a CLC school and and some lawyering stuff. I can tell you that everybody involved, including myself, still expects all 133 teams to be in it. I say 33 because that means that includes the new FBS programs. Um, regardless of what the paperwork says. What I can tell you over the last couple of months, what has been happening, last summer, institutions were spending a lot of time doing the uh, photography to render the stadiums. We did a story about that with a gentleman at Troy, uh, who's one of their football players who did the photography. That was apparently took a ton of time 
for everybody. It takes a lot of, of computing resources. What I can tell you is that in February and March, schools were doing the same thing now, but for music and for marching bands, for cheerleading squads, and for uh, stadium sounds that happen during the game. So that would mean, and it is, uh, we'll, we'll share the document. I, I, I am led to believe that would mean that if you are playing a game at Wisconsin, you would hear jump around. And then it would pan and you would see the, the people actually jumping around. If you're playing in Ohio Stadium, you would hear hang on Sloopy. If your school does something in the second quarter or the third quarter, like you would hear that, which I don't think was a part of every single of the other games. Like the, the and the documentary is saying, hey, if you have any like student chants, not only don't don't just send us the audio, like give us the text and like let us know the cadence and let us know like the enunciation guides because we want to make sure that we accurately depict that. So if you are a fan of looking for that level of realism, that process is happening. Um, I'm also told that the, the oh, during the same time period, EA has been working with schools to do the same level of realism and updates for um, spirit stickers. You know, like like the Buckeye leaves, of course, on, yeah. on, on, on Ohio State, but a bunch of other schools do this. And it's like, okay, not just what what is the image and not just where on the helmet does it look like, but what would be a realistic accumulation of those stickers over the course of a season? So again, if you're Ohio State, and it's the first game of the season, it should be all silver helmets. If it's Michigan week and you're good, it should be all Buckeye stickers. It's it, and, and that is something that also, I don't think that level of detail was necessarily always there for every other game. Um, I it, it is the process right now would lead us to believe that will be the case for this project. So not a gameplay update, but a useful update nonetheless, I think, right? Yeah, I'm 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 giddy just hearing you uh, kind of say some of those things. Like, just I I, I can't wait to you know, like 50 hours <laughs> per week on on just playing that game and, and seeing how real it is, uh, given my experience. And I'm sure it's big for yeah. EA just this this upcoming season, right? You know, just to go out and and you know, experience Ohio Stadium or you know go into Nayland and and you know, be be there between the hedges and uh, go to Kyle Field and just kind of get some of the soak up some of the atmosphere take take some sounds take some high quality uh, you know photos and whatnot and just kind of get a get a feel for things in uh, a non pandemic y type of year uh, where where full college football stadiums are, are there and uh, playing some of these big games I'm, I'm sure it's just big for them to kind of get through this this next uh, eight to twelve months and and put it in the game and uh, I'm 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 thrilled I, I can't wait for not just in terms of the gameplay but some of the um, you know modes that you know like I, I doubt they're gonna have like nil collective explorer or something like that on on there but you know like uh you know whatever dynasty type of mode uh you're gonna have whatever you know online um you know attributes you know they're, they're gonna throw in there i, I can't wait and uh it, yeah. it's great too because you mentioned uh, not having all 133 three schools it, i i'm certainly hopeful that they, they will because that we, we talked about a couple weeks ago i mean that's just such a big marketing thing to you know say like introduce people to, to jacksonville state or J, yep. jmu right you know especially now that those schools are, are kind of moving up to the the FBS level, um, you know, it would be great if you're uh, a new ACC fan. You know, maybe maybe you didn't make the trip, you know, uh, to James Madison, or you know, like here's here's your opportunity. Uh, you know, if you're a Sun Belt fan, uh, to kind of experience some of those. Uh, obviously, we get conference realignment too coming in 2023. So a lot of these schools, uh, hopefully, the, the game will have that uh, as, as well. So uh, you know, it's it's going to be some some big changes. You can kind of get used to it as part of the game. And uh, I, again, I I can't wait. I am I am ecstatic to play with it. Uh, hopefully, we'll have somebody on for me to to discuss it uh, down the road. I know we've 
I made that ask and, and we'll, we'll hopefully bring that to you here and going for two. But um, it, it is a game that I think near and dear to a lot of uh, people our age in terms of actually playing it. But I think it's, it's going to reintroduce and really help college football at a, at a key moment and, and really key inflection point, not just in terms of college athletics and all these transformation changes. Obviously, you've got a college football uh, playoff that, that's going to be changing uh, come 2025, 2026. So uh, there, there's, there's a lot of change on the horizon. And a game like this can, can make that, uh, that, that uh, transition a little bit easier uh, as, as people get in and play it. Yeah, you hit on several important points that I think I can give a little bit more detail about, right? Like the, the idea of this being an important marketing tool is unquestionably true. I think any athletic director under 50, uh, if they don't know that now, has, has that has, they've made that known. Um, I've talked to people in the FCS space that are like, we know we're not going to be in the game in the beginning, but don't tell our licensing director this because we want the money. But we would do it for free. Yep. Uh, because we we know that there's a big there's a big IP benefit for us to be in the game. I've heard people from Division two programs so like, what, who do we got to pay to get our stuff in there? So you know, rather than having it uploaded or anything, right? So can you just see it? You can take a program and instead of dynasty mode, you know, you go through the years with uh, building your roster. You take them from an NAIA program, you get the invite, you, to, you go, you know, the realignment uh, dynasty, right? You know, like that. That oh. certainly, if, if EA is uh, taking solicitations on on ideas, uh, they they know where to come college college football reddit presents like college football it'd be, it'd be it, no that'd it'd be a fun game um on that note i can also tell you that while i i cannot confirm like a ton of gameplay things and a lot of that is because it, it literally is tba will there be a dynasty mode yes there's been a dynasty mode in every other game like that's definitely happening has e has ea reached out to subject matter experts who are intimately aware of how college football has changed since the last game. Yes. Um, can't tell you who they are yet because I, I, I do want them to keep talking to me or, or, or other people at the school level to keep talking to me. That's been a thing. This is not just the Madden team trying to like make Madden with Ohio State helmets. Like, like Structurally, it's not that same thing. Will there be an ultimate team mode? Yes. Um, much to the, I mean, that, that existed in 2014. It was a baby level thing. It's a, a staple in every uh, sports video game in the EA and non-EA franchises. That That's going to be a thing, um, which then leads me to like the last thing that I, I do have a little bit of update on. Some of this came from Foyba, some of this came from good old-fashioned shoe leather about the licensing component. Because as uh, you, you are probably well aware, if this has not been beaten into your skull at this point, the reason we haven't had a video game in the last decade is because there wasn't a mechanism for EA to pay the athletes. And I have had this confirmed from people at CLC and at EA that they would have loved to have done this earlier because not only would that have let them keep making the game, they thought it would have let them make the game better. Um, there's a, a lot of interest from the the fanatics and the playflies and the CLCs and the other like licensing world to have gotten this done earlier because a, a merger of school rights and player rights equals better consumer products. Everybody makes more money. You would have probably bought the game more in 2018 if it had player names in it. Um, the challenge to this is unlike the NFL or the NBA or everything, all these other places have unions that have just one entity where they negotiate the group rights. That does not exist in college athletics. It is not likely to exist before the release of this game. So what I have been told here is that EA is hopeful that a group licensing mechanism or solution appears, since it's not prohibited by law anywhere in, uh, at any point, that they can negotiate with that entity. I have been told that there is optimism on all sides here, but that could be announced 
like this summer. Um, there was, I know like a month and a half ago, there was that it might be a little bit sooner. Now I'm hearing, you know, maybe like before, before, announcement before the, before the start of this season rather than like early July. And that announcement um, is not like, it's not going to have every single college football player. Uh, but it would it would be as the group licensing industry has evolved enough where one entity, I have a pretty good guess about who that group is. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining it's going to be one team partners, one team. Uh, that will, you know, hey, we got athletes at this percentage of schools. We're going to be negotiating with EA. This is the agreement if you want in. Um, and then, then we can spend the next year signing up those athletes. Um, the I have been told one potential hangup is that if you're an athlete that maybe signed all away all of your NIL rights to a collective to get a big check, it will be not impossible, but it will become logistically harder to get you in the game. Or, or because of that that's just another corporate step to go through to, to figure out how to, how to get you. Whereas if, if you were not in any exclusive arrangement. Also, because this is in like the internet era, um, if for whatever reason an athlete wants to be involved and isn't ready at launch, could they be, you know, there's roster updates for FIFA like every two weeks. Like, could this happen for real people? Yeah, that's, that's not that big of a deal. So I would be very, very surprised if actual athlete names and likenesses are not in the game. Um, and then once that mechanism is announced, you will shortly see announcements from people like Notre Dame and Northwestern that, like, yes, we have conceptual now conceptually agreed to be in the game. That help? That that sounds awesome. I, I can't wait to uh, see the CJ Stroud cover. You know, like I you know I think that that is the other part is is it's not just uh, being in the game and, and being able to play yourself, which was always a, a fun thing back in the day. If you, if you actually talk with players, you know they're like as much as they understood like, hey, I'm not getting any money for this, but it was just kind of cool to kind of create yourself and and play as yourself on your own team. Um, you know that that aspect coming back with with real actual names, images, and likeness. Like, uh, I think that's going to be a boon for, for the players themselves. I think it's going to be a boon for, for fans. And uh, you, you can just only imagine, like, uh, how, how much it, it's going to be interesting to see um, beyond the group licensing, just, like, how much is the, the cover athlete going to get for this one? Because now you can get – it's not just, a, a, you know, the top draft pick or, or, you know, top five draft pick anymore that you're slapping on the cover. You can actually use – CJ Stroud. You can actually use Caleb Williams. You can, you know, like that. That aspect is, is going to be interesting to me to see what kind of EA does in terms of the cover because, you know, we 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 kind of mentioned it a little bit, uh, you know, uh, what two weeks ago in terms of uh, talking about some of some of our, our video game past, but like um, sometimes with some of these updates, you know, it just it, it's iterative. So it's like they're really only kind of buying it for the cover. Well, that that might be a big deal. And ha- having that cover in your back pocket as as an NIL deal, if you're going, if you are CJ Stroud and you're going to talk with Target. You're going to talk with Walmart, like, and you're saying, I'm going to be the cover athlete on the NCAA video game. Like, that, that's going to be a lot of earning power for them going to other deals and uh, really kind of influencing their brand going forward. So it, it, it's all part of this uh, really growing NIL ecosystem, and, and it's exciting to have the game not only back in our lives from a gameplay standpoint, but to kind of see how it's going to affect schools, players, coaches, uh, because you, you can bet that uh, as much as uh, players are, are going to get uh, mad at uh, maybe not getting their copy or whatever, uh, they're, they're also going to be mad about uh, their their player ratings. Uh, they're like, oh, I, I, oh, I, I, I opted in for this deal, thing. you know, and, and yeah, I get uh, $200 or whatever it might be for, for my name, image, and likeness, and, and you guys gave me a 78 what what's going on EA? Like you, you can just yeah. imagine those those type of emails uh, getting sent out uh, on behalf of not only the players but uh, sometimes their NIL agents as well. There is no doubt about that. That's a huge thing in the 2K community. It's a thing with FIFA. It's a thing with Madden. That there's like a whole news cycle when the Madden ratings come out and people complain about them online and everything. That will definitely be a thing here. I you you 
I could be wrong about this because I, I, I have not heard this from EA or seen this in documentation, but I have talked to several collegiate licensing professionals. And knowing what I know about this industry, I'd actually be a little bit surprised if the first video game has a current athlete on the cover. And the reason for that is there is still a lot of risk or at least perceived risk in big, big licensed individual athlete deals that are national and, and retail focused given the one, the very short earning potential power for a college athlete. If you do it with CJ Stroud, he's only gonna be an Ohio State athlete for f- four more months and then go to the NFL. Whereas if you do a deal with Tom Brady, he's gonna be in the NFL for much longer because he's a cyborg and never retires. Or maybe with that, or maybe or another athlete maybe with one team for a longer period. We, there's also the fact that, that and this was pretty well publicized that a lot of the big national deals um, for, that, that were market driven last year with quarterbacks didn't really pan out. Uh, if we go back to the beginning of last season and thought like who were going to be like the, you know some of the biggest names, like the highest producing guys, like Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams was not on any of our radar. Nobody thought he was actually going to play because he was backing up the, the preseason Heisman favorite. That guy gets benched. Spencer Rattler gets benched a couple weeks into it. If you placed an order for 500,000 Spencer Rattler Oklahoma jerseys, there's a warehouse somewhere that's full of them, right? You know, Dr. Pepper goes out and grabs DJ Ugalele, right? And and that 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 doesn't work out. And you have to kind of shift him away or, you know, or, or maybe that was planned, depending on who you talk to, uh, away from that campaign. So if you pick CJ Stroud or if you pick Bryce Young, like probably they're going to be, they're going to be very competitive, but... And, and, and everything, but there is a risk factor that's different from the pros that, uh, and given the, the, the price uncertainty, it would surprise me a little bit, especially given there's such a wide array of legends or non-player specific or somebody that just left. That you could that you can put on the cover. Yeah, I could be wrong. Yeah, you're right. This I is mean, just we, what I've we've missed out on a f- almost a decade full of covers that uh, we we didn't have. You know, of, of, of superstar right. players that uh, you know came in with it with a bang and uh, certainly you know made their way to the NFL and. We didn't get an NCAA cover with them, you know, and I think that was always a, a cool part of, of saying, you know, not only figuring out who, who it might be, uh, you know, b- going into the summer, but like it was a lot of hype surrounding that launch. And, um, you know, I, I think that you're, you're right. I, I think going with some some legends, some, uh, you know, big time players of the past, you know, really decade that uh, really kind of never got that opportunity to kind of get on the cover. Um, you know, certainly you, even just speaking, uh, you know, working with, with Athlon in terms of looking at who who's going to get in some of the regional covers for, for some of the preview yeah. magazines like that, that, that's a big deal. And and so I think, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be some some big challenges, some big decisions uh, coming from EA. And it, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me at all. Right. If, if they go uh, past athletes uh, of, of the last couple of years where they didn't have the video game that uh, they, they wanted to feature and certainly can build marketing campaigns around whether they're the, in the NFL or not. Um, but you also got to got to consider like uh, you know, there, there's there's some some big names coming up. You know, maybe, maybe they get real granular. Maybe maybe we get some Arch Manning. NCAA video games, right? You know, like they're, they're, the the world is is uh, certainly EA's oyster. It, it it could. There's 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 a lot there. The last last thing I'll mention on this, and then I probably should go here because my medicine's wearing off. Um, by securing a group licensing mechanism or an ability to to pay athletes for this kind of thing, we're not limited to just this one video game. There is some uh, you know ex- exclusivity for console simulation games that EA has. Like 2K can't really make a PlayStation 5 college football game. But the, the place I would I would tell people to watch for, maybe not in 2023, might, might be a little bit later, but not that much later, would be mobile offerings. 
like the NBA, the uh, the NFLPA will license uh, group licenses, not just to Madden, but to a lot of like phone simulation games or trading card games on phones or, or, or you know, not shovelware, but like clearly a different kind of game um, where players get checks for. And I think that if a mobile development studio is able to kind of, you know, figure out a way to, to put something together or a version of popular NFL games for phones uh, for college football, that is something that could, that could come out in nine months. Uh, and that would be another thing to do while you're on the subway, uh, waiting for your train. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how, how much you you follow the kind of video game industry, but I mean, like some of the cloud computing advances that we've seen. Uh, basically, you're you're playing like you're at at the console itself. Uh, so you're you're playing those games through, and and obviously there's the the Google Stadia. You know, Amazon has their own gaming initiatives through the clouds. Like, there's a, yeah. there's a lot of ways that uh, certainly that you're able to kind of experience this video game. That you weren't, you know, years ago. And not only are the, are the graphics going to be better, but uh, you're, you're going to be able to play everywhere. I mean, I saw just the other day that, um, you know, basically they're bringing, Microsoft is bringing Xbox to like Samsung TVs. And, you know, it's basically a, uh, a cloud uh, thin client and you're ba- being able to play your Xbox video games on, on your TV without the console presence. So like there's, there is that level of gaming that uh, just was not possible, you know, years and years ago. And so it's something that uh, certainly we're, we're going to experience a little bit through this video game. And, and I'm sure EA is already thinking about on, on top of some of the microtransactions that are certainly ever present in video games nowadays and i, I think it's yeah, that that that'll be a thing yes yes i, I mean can't you can't you uh, uh, just see it that you're, you can spend f- you know fifty dollars or whatever to to get somebody's jersey as part of your nft collection right like that that's definitely coming to this game or this universe at some point right yeah i mean i was thinking i mean the, the one that I, I think i can imagine is the is the direct madden Scenario where you you can pay seven ninety nine and get two packs of cards and one of them might have like legendary gold Tim Tebow eighty nine <laughs> overall that you plug into your team or something. But I could I could see a world where you're playing single player dynasty mode and it's like for one thousand NCAA coins drop an NIL deal and like swing a four star recruit. Um, not that it's going to be required to do that. Like you can have I think a fulfilling Madden experience on many game modes without spending any money. Um, you can you can be very competitive online in NBA My Team without spending money. Although I, I'll be honest, I, I usually do spend a little bit each year because I'm also buying time. This is a, a hobby of mine, but I do not get to play like I did when I was 20. That would be the other thing I was thinking a lot about when I was 20 to kind of put this full circle. Not NIL deals, but beyond romance and beyond maybe some academic writing or, or, or trying to be a reporter, it was the NCAA video game or, or Metal Gear Solid 2, which was, I, I think, the, the big favorite in, in our household, um, might be the same thing for a next generation of gamers. And and well, the, the, the group licensing thing is, is also interesting because there's so many applications beyond just, just the NCAA football game, right? Obviously, there's, there's college basketball. With- interests that we get come tournament time and i think honestly you know given the ncaa and, and what they've been looking at uh, going ahead given the gender equity you know piece i, I would imagine they're going to start to require um you know if you're making an ncaa uh, basketball video game obviously that's that's going to have to include the ncaa women's tournament as well and so there's now there could be an opportunity for to get those athletes involved in video games where there wasn't anything you know for, for them you know years ago and so there's there's a lot of runway here as well for, for ea to kind of build out this this rest of this college universe just based on kind of the start point of, of using this game I, I do hope there's eventually another college basketball game uh i had i had a couple of those i had the one with greg odin on the cover 2k made a couple made a couple of decent ones 
I mean, how, how cool would it be to like have St. Peter's in, in a game and be able to play as them, right? You know, like just the the exposure. Speaking of marketing and the exposure, yeah, that you could have not just in, in terms of your your FBS programs, which are only 133, but like the hundreds of D1 AAA you know programs that uh, do not get involved in the NCAA video game. Here's a, here's an opportunity for them to literally get in the game. Yeah, the, the, I'll be honest with you guys. Like, I'm not a huge college basketball fan, but I bought that game because you know who was in it. My American University Eagles, a school that most people in my world did not believe was real. But, and there it was. Like, did Bender Arena look like Bender Arena? No. But, you know, it was it was 2007. And I was a PlayStation 2. That when you turned it on, it sounded like an aircraft taking off. You didn't have a chance to render both of the seats in Bender Arena. So uh, it would be lovely if, the, if that happened in the future. I know that's like that's before like TikTok or Twitter or anybody takes us out of context. I am not reporting there is a college basketball game coming. I have no reason to believe that or report it. I am merely stating I think that would be nice. I hope it happens sometime. I mean, I it, you got to get San Jose State's new uh, glow-in-the-dark uh, basketball court in there somehow, right? So, you know, th- there might be opportunities yeah. for EA to, uh, that, to expand that universe. Th- that would be great. EA or 2K or somebody else, uh, pl- please do this. Uh, and and hire us as consultants more than anything. That's the most important thing. While we're waiting for both of us to finally achieve our dream jobs of becoming video game consultants by leveraging our inside knowledge of the depths of this industry for our AAA publishing friends. That's not a joke. I I, I will I would love to do this. Um, the, the the real the real day job here is of course running the Extra Points newsletter, and and, and uh, I'm going to talk about this in a little bit more detail next week. But I would just say. The kind of the, the the getting little tiny scoops about EA Sports or the FOIA directory database or going to these conferences or doing original reporting uh, is the kind of thing that that people really like about what we do across ticker and across extra points and everything. It's what I really love doing. It's more rewarding to me even to do that and just sit down in my basement and rip a column. Although it's fun to do that sometimes too. That stuff takes money. It takes money. It takes time. I had to pay FOIA fees. I had to pay flight fees. I had to go be in a hotel. Um, sometimes it takes years of cultivating relationships with people to get you to trust you before they tell you uh, if someone's going to join the Southland Conference or not. Like that's not something I can necessarily just anybody could just pick up off the phone. So if these are things that you appreciate, uh, please consider a subscription to Extra Points. You can subscribe for free at extrapointsmb.com. You get two newsletters. You can get uh, up to five a week with a paid subscription. That doesn't just help buy fruit snacks for my kids who are fighting in the room next to my office right now, which you might have been able to hear. It also pays for the operational expenses of, of producing the work that we do. Um, I would also encourage you, if you enjoy this podcast, I am deeply appreciative of people who have shared it with their other friends in the industry and their friends outside the industry. If you enjoy it, give us those five-star reviews. Say nice things about us on Reddit. Say nice things about us on Twitter. Acknowledge us on those platforms. That helps us grow this audience. It also helps us show to partners like our friends at Homefield Apparel or, or other places that it's worth their time to be a part of this. Because I don't, I don't, we don't charge for going for two. We we do sometimes charge for the newsletters that going that these news that the like the show notes that, that pop in here. But I don't really want to move this behind a paywall. So the only way that we make money doing it is through ads. The way we make money to make money from ads is by people listening to the show and then us kind of knocking on those doors. So your support there. If you don't have eight bucks a month, greatly appreciate it. Did I get everything, Brian? I, I think that's it. And uh, again, if you're not already subscribed, make sure you do uh, sign up for for extra points. Uh, if, if you're uh, a podcast listener and you haven't already subscribed, uh, 
what are you doing? Number one. Uh, number two, if, if you can give us the five stars, uh, that is a way to help others find this podcast to help us uh, debate NCAA football video games and, and transfer windows and all that stuff. Uh, it really does help, whether it's Spotify, Apple, uh, on YouTube. Um, you know, Make sure you're not only subscribed, but uh, give us those five stars because it, it really does help uh, in terms of those algorithms that uh, all the uh, major companies do use in terms of finding other shows and, and recommending this to others that uh, you know, might have an interest in uh, college athletics, but uh, certainly want to do a little bit more uh, listening of, of podcasts like this. So uh, five stars. And, and then again, a D, D1 ticker, if you're, um, you know, want to get up on the, on the latest, uh, we got a bunch of con- content coming the next couple of weeks uh, for, on, on that front. Glitch uh, Sports Connect as well. Uh, tons of st- great stuff. And uh, hopefully you are following along because our, 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 our little empire, Mr. Matt uh, Brown is, has slowly grown and it is, uh, is truly yeah. becoming, uh, you know, quite the, uh, quite the empire. It is, it is very fun and rewarding to see. Everyone, thank you so much for spending some time with us here this week. Uh, Let me go pound some Benadryl, and I will see you guys on the internet.